Welcome to the Compliance 911 Show, a no-nonsense podcast discussing hot topics for today's busy compliance professional. It's everything you wanted to know about regulatory compliance, but we're afraid to ask. And now, here are your hosts, Dean Stockford of M&M Consulting and Len Suzio of Geodata Vision. Welcome to our podcast series addressing everything you wanted to know about regulatory compliance, but we're afraid to ask. This is Len, Len Suzio with Geodata Vision. I'm interviewing Dean Stockford of M&M Consulting. Dean, we have discussed many recent changes or proposed changes over the few, last few podcasts. So what topic are we going to, are you going to enlighten us with today? Well, good morning, Len. And first, uh, I'd like to thank you and Dr. Ken Thomas for such a spirited roundtable discussion uh, on Monday that we had uh, as it relates to the major concerns surrounding the Community Reinvestment Act Notice of Proposed Rulemaking. Um, again, I want to encourage banks to submit comment before the comment period ends, which is fast approaching on August 5th, 2022, and see if, uh, if perhaps even you had some additional comments before we move on to uh, today's pod, uh, podcast topic, um, just to see if you had anything else you wanted to kind of bring uh, after that uh, uh, spirited conversation we had Monday. Yeah, Dean, uh, you're most welcome. I really enjoyed the session. You were a great go between between Ken Thomas and myself. We had a lively discussion. And this is a very major issue for banks, one that will have a dramatic impact on them and their CRA responsibilities. And unfortunately, while there are some good ideas in the NPR, there are some very bad ideas, so bad that I think they're fatal. Uh, and the, the proposal should either be rescinded or substantially modified. I don't believe it can be enforced in its present form. And certainly, if there was ever a red flag waving in front of bankers, it's the tables that exist in the uh, the Notice of Proposed Rulemaking. On pages 250 to 260, there are a series of tables which depict how banks would perform if the proposal were would have been enacted back, you know, in 2005. And it shows that there's a, I was broadcasting a 500% increase. It's really a thousand percent increase, a tenfold increase in the number of banks that will fail their CRA exams under the proposed regulation. That ought to get bankers' attention. Uh, I would ask everyone listening to today's podcast not only to submit their own comments, but to contact the ABA, the Independent Committee Bankers Association, whatever bankers' associations that they're members of, and insist that they put out comments uh, on the NPR. To date, no one has put anything out other than requesting an extension of the comment period, and they were peremptorily de denied that by the agencies. So the agencies are hell-bent on put, moving this thing ahead. And unless they encounter strong resistance from the banking industry, strong opposition, and strong criticism, the bankers are going to find themselves with one heck of a problem in another year or two. There, uh, there's no doubt they will implement it. Their goal is to make it effective on January 1st of next year. Uh, I've heard that from inside sources. And that means within the following year, people are going to have to start collecting all this additional data and then reporting it. And then eventually, two years later, being subject to 
the new examination standards, which are designed to inflate the CRA performance failures by tenfold increase from what they've been in the last 20 years. Wow. So Jeez. please, everyone listening to this podcast, as important as what Dean's going to talk about today, I'm certain <laughs> this is guy to get your immediate attention. You've got, as I'm, we're broadcasting today, it's uh, a recording today, it's July 20th and the comment period ends August 5th. So it's 16 days from now. When you hear this, I hope every single one of you contacts your bank associations and insist that they submit comments. And if anybody wants help with that, contact me, Len Suzio at GeoDataVision. I'd be happy to critique any comments uh, and help people uh, formulate an intelligent and well-articulated series of criticisms and objections to the proposal. That's so, yeah. Yeah. So, Dean, so aside from the urgency of the uh, CRA NPR, uh, what topic are we going to talk about today that's very important for all bankers? Well, I, I, today I decided to pivot back to a topic I spoke of uh, a couple of times over the last uh, few years, uh, and that's UDAP. And I, you know, it, it's almost like I should say, what should we talk about? Politics, 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 because it seems hmm. like politics are obviously playing a role in all the things lately we've been discussing, which is a little bit concerning to some degree. Um, but my most recent podcast that we had discussed concerns with uh, what we call UDAP in fee-based overdraft programs. And I, I mentioned that UDAP was being used as that broad brush regulation that can impact virtually every area of the financial institution. And now uh, the C CFPB uh, appears to be using its authority to modify definitions for unfairness. Uh, UDAP applies to virtually every area and is, like I said, very political. It's constantly evolving into different violations, interpretations. Uh, it's limitless in its scope, applied, bank-wide. It's definitely subjective, and it's permeating throughout all examinations. In 2010, when Congress enacted the Dodd-Frank Act, which is among many provisions created by the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the act gave broad authority to the CFPB to prohibit unfair act or practices by covered persons or service providers offering or providing consumer financial products and services. In addition to that, Congress separately authorized the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau to implement uh, two specific anti-discrimination laws, ECOA, ECOA, and HMDA. Uh, so within the agency, was the creation of the Office of Fair Lending and ECUA. Um, and that, again, was part of Dodd-Frank. ECUA was, is a separate law in itself from UDAP. It deals with discrimination in any aspect of any credit transaction. And Humder is essentially the regulation which collects the data that we use in order to identify uh, evidence of, of uh, illegal discrimination. I mean, the two concepts, unfairness on one hand and discrimination on the other hand, are distinct, and each has its own meaning and scope in applying the provisions. However, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau earlier this year conflated the concepts when they drafted their new examination manual and provided that they will begin examining financial institutions for alleged discrimination conduct that is deemed to be unfair under UDAP provisions. And yes, you heard that right unfair under UDAP provisions, not discriminatory under Equal Credit Opportunity Act. So uh, just really concerning. Wow. Dean, maybe I'm reading too much in this, but uh, 
this seems like uh, another example of regulatory overreach uh, by the CFPB. Is am I overreading this or what? No, I totally agree. And, and, and this move does not appear to be within the intent of Congress or what I call the spirit of the regulation. Although Congress gave the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau the same unfairness authority as the Federal Trade Commission, they also enacted ECOA to address discrimination in credit transactions. So that doesn't seem to make any sense if you've already had prohibited discrimination under the Fair, Fair, uh, Federal Trade Commission authority. So uh, according to Dodd-Frank, the standard for unfairness is, is, is that an act or practice is unfair when it causes or likely causes substantial injury to consumers. The injury is not reasonably avoidable, avoidable by the consumer, and the injury is not outweighed by countervailing benefits to consumers or to the competition. So a little confusing, uh, to say the least, as to what road they're heading down. And, and I don't like it. And, and again, this, this type of broad brush approach to, to UDAP is, is it, it should just have uh, the hair on the back of uh, everybody's neck in financial institutions standing up. And Dean, I understand when you say, quote, the spirit of the regulation or the intent of Congress. I, at one point in time, was a state senator, and I am very familiar with the concept of legislative intent, but I didn't see anything in what you mentioned about discrimination. So what do you think this will mean to financial institutions? Well, you know, as I said, you know, discrimination obviously is embedded within ECOA, but not within UDAP. Uh, I cannot be certain exactly how this will be applied, but we've seen an uptick in fair lending examination efforts over the last year and a half. And we'll need to see exactly how these concepts will be applied. Um, again, I see nothing in UDAP that includes discrimination. And given that e ECOA uh, deals specifically with discrimination, I just cannot understand why uh, the CFPB would take this stance. They I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I hear folks all the time say, well, we, we shouldn't be too worried about the CFPB because of their authority. And, and they have authority over banks, thrifts, and credit unions with assets that are over $10 billion. Um, but there's but there's the but and and there's always a but and keep in mind that the CFPB may still have enforcement authority and they also help uh, set the tone with the rest of the federal regulators uh, in addition to you know the three to four thousand lawyers that are writing the regulations and in, in a back office in Washington DC working under the CFPB guidance so um, you know it's just again very very concerning so with the, the new data collection rules under Dodd-Frank Section 1071, it appears that the regulators have major concerns with discriminatory lending practices. But these types of broad interpretations are not within the spirit or the legislative intent of the law. And it appears to exceed their statutory authority. Do you agree with that? Or oh, I, abso I absolutely agree, Len. And, and I, you know, in, in the ICBA and the ABA agree as well. Um, um, obviously, given their recent uh, uh, white paper analysis of of this uh, uh, this big step that the CFPB has taken with their examination manual, we can only hope that they rescind the new examination manual. Um, it, 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 you know, it, as it 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 appears to be inconsistent with the with the historical use and understanding of an fairness authority that has been bestowed on them. Uh, so let's just hope that the change is on their way. I will say. You know, the CFPB appears to be striking a, a tone that is a little alarming when we speak of fair lending. Uh, so you can see why, you know, they're moving to modify definitions in UDAP uh, to be able to apply things uh, 
you know, pretty much across the board as it relates to fair lending. Uh, further evidence of that is just the tone from some of the the you know the C-suite individuals in February of 21. The acting director at the time of the CFPB, David Inejo, you know, he said, "As I have made clear before, as acting director, my top priorities, and this is a quote, for this agency are to take bold and swift action to address issues of pervasive racial injustice." and the long-term economic impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on consumers. Again, looking at it from a fair lending perspective, and this is what they were talking about when he inserted this quote. And on, in addition to that, uh, you know, they did create, as you know, within the Dodd-Frank Act, uh, and uh, not only did they create the CFPB, but within the CFPB, they created the Office of Fair Lending and ECOA. Um, and, and, and the, the director from that uh, particular arm uh, indicated, quote, of those struggling people in communities of color have been disproportionately affected. Women in minority-owned small businesses are more likely to face more severe economic consequences than their white counterparts. Black and Hispanic homeowners are also less likely to access mortgage relief and forbearance, a troubling trend that the Bureau will continue to address. Further, she adds, I would be remiss to not say the names of black men, women, and children like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Tamara Rice, Ahmaud Arbery, and sadly among many who were assaulted and murdered last year. These incidents highlight racial and economic inequities and their impacts on the country. As such, the Bureau's fair lending work is more important now than perhaps ever, end quote. So once again, there is a tone and you can see why some of the modifications are happening. And it is, it, like I said, it is concerning. Wow. Run for the hills is what I said. <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, at this point, Dean, do you have any advice or takeaways for financial institutions regarding these matters? Yeah, well, strap on. Hold on. <laughs> well, I've always <laughs> said that the vast majority of financial institutions take you know, discrimination seriously. I mean, at least in my travels and in, in looking at some of the what I call trending data over the last uh, 15 years, uh, the number of actual uh, uh, of, of cases, uh, discriminatory cases have declined significantly. So uh, why why we're in this? I, I, I really I really don't know. Um, um, but my advice I can I, I can provide is ensure that you have strong underwriting controls in place. Make sure that you continually provide ongoing training of your applicable staff and ensure that your compliance management systems uh, include sufficient monitoring and reporting to the board. Um, because, you know, when you review for unfair and deceptive practices for credit, you should determine whether the financial institution has engaged in practices that are prohibited under the FTC, FTC which is the Federal Trade Commission's credit practices rule, and that unfair or deceptive under the general legal principles that they had put forth, um, which are confessions or of judgment or similar waivers of right to hearing, waivers of exemption from attachment, execution, or other process, irrevocable assignments of wages, pensions, disability benefits, et cetera, uh, security interest in all the, uh, the, the customers or, or members' household goods or personal items, such as family photographs or other luxury items, uh, impairmenting or late charges, uh, failure to inform co uh, cosigners of their potential liability. So, you know, I, I think you have to look at 
what it is or what it was, not necessarily what it's going to be. Um, in addition, we have to remember that, um, you know, I, I hate always getting political, but elections have consequences. And, um, you know, all, all, all this may go away if Republicans are successful in the midterms and ultimately the presidency. But uh, for now, um, you know, this is alarming. And I just wanted uh, institutions to be aware uh, of of this uh, of this new stance of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and 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 again, I'm hopeful that with the assistance, as we just talked about with CRA of the ABA and the ICBA, that perhaps they can apply the pressure necessary to get this new examination manual rescinded, um, so that it, it it you know it's less confusing uh, for institutions, and and they all do a very good job of trying to comply. Um, I, I just, you know, my experience has been they roll up their sleeves and try to do everything possible uh, to to uh, make the loan uh, within, uh, you know, again, uh, uh, the standards and the underwriting standards as set forth. Um, and um, so, you know, uh, we'll have to see. We'll just have to see. But uh, I just wanted to bring this to the attention of everybody today, because, again, I think it's another hot topic similar to the. Uh, uh, the CRA NPR that we've been talking about. Um, and, and, and Len and you and I have talked about it several times. Matter of fact, uh, how Dodd-Frank 1071 impacts CRA. And here again, mm-hmm. 1071's impacting this as well. So, uh, you know, it, 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 you, we've got a, we got a ways to go here, but we'll, uh, uh, I, again, I, I think this information is, is critical for financial institutions as we move forward. Um, and I'm glad we were able to uh, to talk about it today. You know, Dean, as I was listening to you, I thought to myself, we made a mistake. <laughs> we should have had a warning notice before you spoke that this may be injurious to your mental health uh, <laughs> and cause anxiety attacks. <laughs> but I hope uh, many of today's audience will learn from your uh, remarks uh, and comments, which are well taken uh, forewarned is fair warned as the old saying goes. This is, I want to thank you, Dean, for this, uh, presentation today on behalf of all our listeners. This is Len Suzio with Geo Data Vision. And this is Dean Stockford from M&M Consulting saying, don't forget to submit your CRA NPR comments by August 5th. It's critical. And also contact the AC- ICBA and the ABA to get them to submit as well. Uh, thank you for listening to today's podcast and our concerns as we've expressed them. Uh, and please let us know of any additional topics that you'd like to hear in the future. Thanks for listening to the Compliance 911 Show. If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, please give us a like and review to help others find the show. As always, links are in the show notes and you can always find us online at compliance911show.com. Follow M&M Consulting and Geo Data Vision on LinkedIn for all the latest news and information on compliance hot topics.